Welcome to the Influent Podcast, developing leadership, building success, and influencing society. For more resources, visit us online at influent.life. All right, here we are. Uh, this is uh, our Influent Podcast this week, and we have uh, one of my favorite people on the planet is my good friend Michael Stevens, and he has been affectionately become known as uh, unofficially the Starbucks prophet, and uh, probably don't appreciate that moniker necessarily, <laughs> nope. but it's really cool what happened, really some of the most amazing stories, and so uh, we're going we're gonna to spend a little time here and just talk about uh, these, these uh, you know, your, your history in the workplace. And one of the things we teach, of course, is bringing God everywhere you are and bringing God to the workplace. And this happened for you as a young man. This is a few years back now. And uh, um, you were a Bible school guy. So you're in Bible school, fired up for the Lord, and ended up uh, working a job because you needed money. (laughs) You know, thank God we need money, right? right? So it gets us in God's will, right? You know, half, half the time, right? So launch from there. What happened? Uh, well, before I even launch there, funny thing is we have a sales rep that's been at the company I'm at now less than a year. He used to be an assistant manager at a coffee shop. And he told me two weeks ago, he said, by the way, did I ever tell you about that I heard about you before I ever met you? And I said, no. And he was at a hit the coffee shop he worked at and he had been there two weeks. Somebody found out he was a Christian. And this is about a year ago. And I haven't been at Starbucks for years. And they said, Hey, so you, you love Jesus, right? And the guy said, yeah. And they said, and you love coffee? And they said, yeah. And they said, have you heard about the Starbucks prophet? <laughs> and it blew. And I said, no way. He said, yeah. He said, and it's a year later. I, and it took me a while of working with you before I realized that you were the you guy were the guy that they brought up. I mean, a year ago when he was at this coffee shop gig. So, anyway, I guess there's still stories floating around out there. Uh, I just had to bring that up. But what happened was, I was. You're right. I was uh, incredibly. I think tenacious is probably the best word. I had some strong ideals about life as a young twenty something. I think as most young twenty somethings do. <laughs> And what I should be doing with my life and ministry. And I got, I say I got stuck working at Starbucks. Um, but, you know, obviously I think it was a divine setup. And so I was frustrated. Sure. But you were 100% ministry focused. Yeah, 100, 100% ministry focused. That's what I wanted to do. And so working at Starbucks to me was second rate Christianity. So you're, you're, right. You're going to Bible school. You're fired up with Bible school. You're going to be a preacher, pastor, songwriter, whatever, yeah. right? And Evangelist. And, I'm, and then you find yourself at this job in a second rate I'm angry, calling. Yeah, I'm angry making mochas. And so one day I decided if I'm going to be here for a while, I might as well do something that I like, which was part of that was praying and prophesying over people. And so there were two ladies sitting uh, at the table, I can still see it today. And I mopped my way over to him. I was mopping the floor. And when I got up there, I said something that I don't, I didn't even see coming out of my mouth. And I said, Hey, so I asked the Lord what he thought about you. And if you're interested, I'd like to tell you. 
And they were, <laughs> yeah, right. That's, I still laugh at it today. And that was, and, and they gave me a funny reaction. A lady kind of gave me a, a, a look on her face like, what? And then I said it again and she said, okay. And so I prophesied over her and I prophesied over her friend. And I don't honestly remember what I said. Right. But she said, so prophet, where did you come from? And I laughed and I said, I'm no prophet. I just work here. And I went back to mopping the floor. And as I mopped away, it was a big cafe. I began thinking to myself, how cool would it be if people came to Starbucks to hear from the Lord? And I had in my mind this picture of this college age guy struggling with his faith, doesn't go to the pastor, doesn't go to his college minister. Uh, he goes to Starbucks. He goes to Starbucks. <laughs> and I just thought, how amazing would that be? Because if a guy went to Starbucks because he heard he could hear from the Lord there. And what ended up happening is about three or four months later that that event played out. And I had been doing this every day. So you decided point. from that point, you thought, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Yeah, table a day or the gift goes away. That was what you said. That was, that, was, that was your sales motivator, right? Yeah, was, table a day or the gift goes so away. So you're going you're gonna to speak God's heart to a table a day or the gift goes away, is yeah. what you said. And, yeah, it was and, just a... So it was a discipline. It was a discipline. It was a nifty thing that... I thought it was kind of funny. So you started doing this. You started walking up to tables randomly. Every day. Well, it took me a while to get my courage up. So <laughs> when it initially started, I would kind of stalk someone from across the cafe and I would stare at them and pray for them under my breath until I got a word. <laughs> try not to get caught staring at them so I didn't look creepy. Uh, and then when I had something, I would I would go up and this phrase became coined because I didn't know any other way to approach it. And it worked the first time, which was, I asked the Lord what he thought about you. If you're interested, I'd like to tell you. And people tended to respond pretty well to that. And after a while, after a few months of doing this, I got more and more comfortable where um, I could, and I got in a flow and a rhythm. I think you develop it like right. any other gift. You know, I could walk up in a little bit with more ease and confidence and in the Lord and say it. And, um, so are you going to tell the Gideon story? Yeah. And so what happened is after after three months, um, this guy walks in and sits down at the same table the ladies did. And I walked over. And at this point, it was funny. I, I looked at a girl I worked with and I said, are you okay? And she goes, yeah, go do your thing. Like they, the, the staff became aware that this was happening and they were okay with it. And they like to watch people cry. And I walked over to this guy and I but, so they were, they were okay with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell a story about that in a second. It's pretty funny, but I, I walked over to this guy and I said the same thing I always said, except this time, instead of looking at me like I was crazy, he says, okay, go. It was just caught me off guard. Cause this was the first person that didn't say what or huh, or excuse me. <laughs> He said, okay, go. And he leaned back, he crossed his arms, and he waited. And so I began prophesying. And as I'm sharing things with him, I said, the Lord brought up stuff about his childhood, struggles with his father. You know, I said, I feel like you've been struggling with your faith the last five or six months. So this is all just by revelation. Yeah, just whisper the Holy Spirit. uh, And I'm sharing these things with him. And he's kind of shaking his head. And you can tell he's, it was a good shaking his head, you know, and and then it's clear, and I, I mean, gosh, this was 10 years ago, and it's still to this day the clearest I've ever heard God in my entire life, ever. 
I hear the Lord say, Gideon. I mean, and it shook me. And I looked at him and I said, and the Lord says you're here like Gideon tonight. And as soon as I said that, the guy just shattered. I mean, just burst into tears. He's weeping. Like he's making a scene. This isn't like... <laughs> this is this is in Starbucks. I mean, yeah. he's, he's sitting at the table and he's making this and there's a lot emotional of, scene. There's a lot. Of, it's a Friday night. There's a lot of people in Starbucks. This isn't... Hollywood single tear. This is real life. This guy's bawling his ah, eyes out. Wow. And and I said, the Lord says you're here like Gideon, and he's not done with you yet. And after he collected himself, he said that I've been struggling with my faith the last five or six months. He had an exact time frame. And he said, uh, a lot of it has to do with issues with my father. And he said, I was up all night last night, and I called my friend this morning, and I said, I'm done. I don't believe in God anymore. I'm done with God. Done with God. I don't believe in God anymore. And his friend says, don't give up. Go to Starbucks. He said... <laughs> that's that's going to be their their uh, slogan in the millennial kingdom. <laughs> so. Uh, so he says, don't give up. Go to Starbucks. He said, there's a guy there that I believe hears from the Lord. And if God is real, he will tell him to come talk to you. Whoa. Right? That's risky. That's risky. <laughs> that, to this day, I would love to meet that guy and shake his hand because he didn't call and get my schedule. He didn't know my name. He didn't know who I was. He apparently had met me, but he, I never got a call making sure I'd be there and hung the whole thing on God. And this guy shows up and he said, five minutes before you sat down or walked over to me, I sat down and I said, okay, Lord. I'm here like Gideon tonight, and this is my fleece. And five minutes later, I walked up and said, the Lord says you're here like Gideon. Whoa, just what he had just said. Yeah, five minutes before. (laughs) And so it was this, it was a really... So he he knew God was real, I mean... Yeah, in fact, I saw him the rest of the summer. never saw him after the summer, but I saw him the rest of the summer. He had a bounce in his step. He was had his Bible with him. He was... Wow. uh, Had different books throughout the summer, uh... Wow. Some you know Christian books that he had picked it's, up. And, it's crazy. He just—it's like, of course, you know, God cares for you. Yeah. Call a guy out at Starbucks, and it's a miracle. Is you can't make this stuff up, right? No. And the crazy part is, and to this day, to me, the most incredible thing about a prophetic word like that—that that comes out of the blue—you didn't go to church to get it. You weren't expecting it. You get a phone call. Is that out of however many billion people on the planet there are, God cares enough. To tell someone to tell right. you what he's thinking. All right. Just to make sure you know it's him and it wasn't some thought inside your head. Right. And that to me is the most special part about the prophetic in those situations. Right. Is God cared God heard this guy. Yeah. You know. So that was a real monumental moment for me as well, because I realized God had heard my dream, you know, three three or four months before, you know, that day that I prophesied over this lady. And you, you know, it's, it's almost humbling. It's like you realize that you're even a minor player here. The, wow. the, the story is God is after this guy. Yeah. And God loves this guy. And you just, you happen to be the right guy in the right place with, you know, with your antennas up and available to the Lord to be used. Yeah. You know? God's going to do what God wants to do, regardless if you're involved or not. It's just, it's kind of stupid to sit on the sidelines. He's, he's so committed to people. He's yeah. so he so loves us that you know, so you just you're a messenger of you know, of his heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah so absolutely. so tell us a couple more stories. Give us the one about the uh the journal. Oh yeah, yeah. So this uh this guy walks in, sits down, and it was busy. 
I think it was a Saturday. It was very busy. We were a big cafe. I walk over to the table, and the guy's reading and journaling and whatnot. And I said, um, uh, I said, hey, is it okay if I sit down with you? And he said, yeah, and I understand, you know, it's a coffee shop. We're busy. I'm not supposed to sit down during busy right. time. Right, sure. Uh, I wasn't on an official break, you know, so, and he said, sure. And I said, is it okay if I sit down with you? He just told me yes. And he said, sure. And I said, I'm going to grab a chair and sit down with you. And in my head, I'm thinking, what are you doing? Like, you sound like an idiot. Stop it. Just stop talking. And so I finally, I pull up a chair. I sit down and, uh, and I, we, I tell him my name. He tells me his, I don't remember what it is today, but when he told me his name, I had been looking at name books in Barnes and Noble the night before. And I had happened to see his name and saw what it meant. And I said, oh, did you know your name means whatever you know his name means? And he just looked at me funny. He goes, no, that's crazy. And so he kept going. I said, and I, I told him what I normally do. And he said, okay. And like the prophetic thing, you yeah. know, sharing, you know, I asked Lord what he thought about you. And he goes, sure. And so I'm, I start to prophesy with this guy, except I'm coming up pretty dry. And I don't have anything. <laughs> And this is probably, since I've been doing it, one of the first times that I'm just... I feel like you're making it up. Yeah. I'm like... So I do what every smart person doing prophetic ministry does when they don't have anything. And I said, God likes you a lot. <laughs> and I, I said, you know... And, and the, the actual way that I said it, I said, look, I said, I don't have much for you. And that's exactly what I told him. I said, I don't have much for you. But... I feel like if God could walk through the walls of this place and tell you one thing, he would tell you that he loves you and that he likes you a lot. And I walk away. Feeling like, what kind of word is that? I mean, I'm like, you got to miss one at some point, right? Because I got Gideon, you know, story, and then I have God likes you. And so I'm just like, oh, man, I blew this. So he comes up to me about 15, 20 minutes later. And he hands me this note. You could tell it was torn out of a journal or something. And he hands it to me and he says, read this. Don't throw it away. Thank you. And he leaves. So I go to the back. and I'm super curious. And I open it up. And he had written a bunch of stuff. But then he underlines specific parts of his journal. And it's dated that day. So this was a page from his journal. He tore the page out of his journal. And he underlined it. Okay. Yeah, which to this day, and I'm then- like, why didn't you keep it and take a picture? But... He tore it out, underlined specific spots, and the spots he underlined said, Lord, walk through the walls of this coffee shop today. (laughs) Sit down with me. Tell me my name. Tell me that you love me and like me a lot. What? Yeah, right? And so, but back to your point from a couple minutes ago, that's when I realized it it was humbling for me because I realized how minor of a player you are in the whole thing. Yeah. Like God took what I felt like was a complete blunder because I was thinking I was acting in my own efforts and made a point to me that he doesn't need me. Wow. He can take fumblings out of my mouth and rock someone's world if he wants to be involved with it. Wow. And so from that point forward, you go, you, you start to, in fact, it was a huge faith building experience for me in the prophetic because from move, moving from that point forward, I went, okay, well, it's not about me. Oh, wow. If God has something for this person, He's going to make it for this person, you know? So it was a great experience. And another one real quick, you said the employees were good with this. I just love telling this story. It's been a long time, but uh, this girl didn't believe in God. She was slightly vocal about it. And there was a couple of Christians that worked at Starbucks. Uh, I think that's a trend. And 
I walk out and I prophesy over this guy. I didn't realize it, but she was on break. And she was sitting, I think, in the chair next to him or behind him. So you're doing your thing, and she, as employee, is just kind of... She's on break, and she's overhearing this. Yeah, she's hearing what's going on. And I don't remember the interaction, but I remember the person I prophesied over cried, and then they confirmed what I had said. And the girl goes back from break and goes to the other guy, Corey, and she goes, Oh my goodness, he talks to God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, like she was blown away that it, it was real. Yeah, it just it. Com- I mean, it, it blew her away. And anyway, I just I'll never forget that story. I think it's so funny. But uh, yes, fun times, special experiences. So tell about the one, the couple with the sick child. Yeah. Um, so this this wife comes in, and it's very slow, very very slow. And. I'm not really involved in the interaction. I don't even think I made her drink. But I hear she's buying a teddy bear or some stuffed animal, and I hear them talking. And the only thing I really hear is that their daughter is in the hospital and they're going to see her. And something inside me just got angry. I mean, I was just lit up inside. Just something was not That the child would be sick. Yeah, and I don't know why, because you hear stories like this all the time, and and you don't Uh freak out about every one of them, but I did. And, and they I, weren't addressing you, you just had overheard them. I overheard. Okay. I mean, they didn't know me from Adam's house right. cat. Right. I mean, they, I just overheard. So I see them, I see her get in the car, they're starting to pull out, and I just immediately just go running outside. And uh, I walk up, I run up to the window, and I said, hey, um, I overheard what you were talking about, and I don't know what your faith is, what your faith background is. I'm not that concerned about it. I just wanted to know if it was okay if I prayed for your daughter. And they said, sure. I mean, they were completely shocked. They said, sure. And so I'm praying for their daughter. Now they have like a six month old or something in the back seat. Their older one apparently was at the hospital. And as I'm praying for them at the end of it, I say in two days, you're going to have a divine appointment with a woman you've never met. And a couple days after that, she will set you up with the doctor that will be able to fix your daughter. Wow. Now I had no idea what was wrong with her daughter. And the other thought running through my head was, holy smokes, this better be accurate. <laughs> right. So about, and I don't ever see him again for about six months. I think, I think it was around six months and you know, they don't come back. They don't tell me anything. And all of a sudden this guy comes in like a blonde Joel Osteen and walks up to me and says, Hey, you're the face of the guy who prays for people, right? It was a really funny way to so, say it. So this is the... The dad. The dad who only met you that one time as you ran out to the car. Yeah. So he comes back six months later to the store and finds you yeah. and sees you and comes up and addresses you. Okay. Yeah. And he, he says that... He said it funny and I said, yeah, something like that. And, uh, and he said, I don't know how to adequately thank you. And he probably wow. said that phrase, I would say, five or ten times. Wow. And he said it over and over, you know, throughout the conversation. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, I pray for a lot of people. Can you remind me what we're talking about? And he goes on to tell me the story, but the story picked up from where they left. He tells me that they don't even live in that area. They're, they're from the other side of the city. And they... So they got a coffee here when it doesn't even make sense. Yeah. They just, they were frustrated. They, their daughter had been to specialists all over the country. Wow. Um, she couldn't eat on her own. She'd been on a feeding tube since birth. Wow. Um, Therapists, specialists, thousands of dollars spent, people prayed. 
their faith was just in ruins because there's wow. this just their, their daughter's sick and no one can fix her. And they said they, so they, they drove over to our area, um, my area, just out of frustration. They're just like, let's just get out of the house, get out of the hospital, let's just go for a drive. And they were so encouraged that this young guy would come out and pray for their daughter that it just rejuvenated their faith some. And then a couple days later, he didn't give me the details, but they had a divine appointment with a woman. And they're sharing stories and she says, I know, she, she reaches out two days later and says, I know someone who can fix your daughter. And with tears in his eyes, he said, for the first time in three and a half years, our daughter is eating on their own, oh on her own. Gosh. And wow. Yeah. And the crazy part about that story to me is that we would love for that story to be, they got back to the hospital and their daughter was healed. But the best part about that story is that the doctors know, the woman knows, the parents know. Like wow. the fallout from that story of how that all got connected ended up touching. Wow! Who I mean, so here, what people? if they? Yeah, they they tell the doctor that some guy at Starbucks told them this was going to happen. Be like, what? Yeah, you know, it is. It's a testimony that just goes on and on. You know, I mean, I'm a firm believer. I believe in. I believe God gave us doctors, right? <laughs> you know, you know, we'd be a whole lot worse off without it. I believe He invented medicine. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Man, Michael, this is this is so. Amazing. So this this was a journey you went on for years. I mean, this was you worked at Starbucks, you know, how many years? Three and a half. And I did it. My time where I was actively doing this at Starbucks was about 18 months. 18 and months. how many how many people do you think you prayed for during that 18 month period? Conservatively, I would say around a thousand. If I was going to ballpark what I think is probably more accurate, I would say probably closer to like 1400 maybe. What? Yeah, and that was because it wasn't always one person a day. I mean, if it was slow, I'd, I'd do it five you or six times. You prayed for a thousand people? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Prophesied? Yeah. At Starbucks? At Starbucks, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> now, how did you keep your butt from getting fired? Well, I was good for business um, in more ways than one. Uh, to the, I mean, well, one time I prophesied over a table of 12 and so they made their weekly meeting. <laughs> so I was good for business. Um, but the other part was I worked really hard. Uh, I was I was very fast on the bar, which went you know to Starbucks. Which so your managers like you, even if they don't necessarily approve of the yeah. way you're doing it or whatever. But yeah. they they know you know you want a guy that can get the job done. Yeah. In fact, the first manager I had was fully okay with it. He loved the Lord. Mm. The second one I had anti God in a lot of ways. Um, or just anti-God, I would say. And in fact, I had someone had written a letter into Starbucks and she handed it to me and she was like, uh, you've got mail and hands it to me and I open it up. And she said, I probably don't want to know what that's about. And I said, no, you don't. Um, and she had a discussion with me one time. She knew it. She's like, I don't know what you do, but as long as your work gets taken care of, you know, whatever. She's like, I don't know what you're doing out there, but as long as your work gets taken care of. And so, yeah, I just worked really hard. I was very fast on the bar. I mean, they she could understaff the morning and leave me alone on the bar instead of putting two baristas over there and save herself labor hours. So, um, you know, I think work ethic goes a long way. And, and a lot of people came in, as you said. I mean, it became one of the busiest stores in the in the region, right? And yeah, it was, we were a big. We were the fourth largest cafe in the country, and we were we were just busy. But again, people came back. I mean, I prophesied over a young girl one morning while I was making drinks. And how does that work? <laughs> probably, 
probably actually it's probably one of the crazier stories I have. So we're in a it's in a rush. Like there's a line to the door. There's 30 people in line at least. And you're a barista. You're you're literally- yeah. I'm cranking out drinks, and I was super caffeinated. I it was a funny yeah funny scenario. And I'd seen her come in a couple times, and I'd go to hand her her drink, and for some reason I said, "Hey." What if I could tell you 10 things about yourself that the only way I knew them is if God told me? <laughs> this is why you're handing her a drink. And I'm calling drinks in the midst of it. So I'm <laughs> in between this. I'm, you know, picking up a cup and, you know, triple venti, whatever, and, you know, calling out the drink and hand it in the middle of all of this. And she goes, okay. And she's holding her, you know, she's holding her <laughs> Starbucks, like sipping, like waiting on this to happen. And I just went down the list. One this, two this, three this, four. And I counted them out to 10. Her mouth, like what? Like what were they? I don't remember. It's okay. been a long time, you know. But it was stuff. It, it's it was stuff that had to do with major she was picking in college, uh, what she wanted to do after school, wow. uh, extracurricular activities, <laughs> things about her personality. Uh, you like to do A, B, and C. You hate A, B, and C. And she, with her mouth open and one hand on her Starbucks cup, she goes, "I am so coming back to the Starbucks." <laughs> And it was just a fun and I look back and the, the best part is she comes back I guess about a week later two weeks later with an older lady who I guess is some type of mentorship program and she when they get their drinks it's a it's a much slower morning she says hey when you're have a minute do you think you would, could come do for her would you do the 10 things for her she said would you come do for her what you did for me and I said probably not wow. the 10 things but yeah I'll come pray for her and I prophesied over that lady and she cried and got up and hugged me and and there and that wow. happened a few times people would bring other people to Starbucks uh, to get prophesied over wow. fun stuff so it, so it really became what started as just a job and like it, almost entertainment for you or it a little, just keep your it became like kind of the main thing you realize that this really is a calling that to, to basically be God's agent at work yeah. and that you could do this while you worked. I think the, the big thing for me was realizing that God and work did not have to be separate vocations. Wow. I think that was the big thing that hit me is that I had boxed God in to being able to function in certain types of ministry or impact in general to the context of church, missions, something in a more formal ministry setting. And it had escaped me that just maybe God was bigger than full-time ministry. Yeah. And that, you know, he could... You could do God anywhere. anywhere. You could, and, and every day, all day long, every day. Yeah. And the crazy part, as I look back through the years, you know, I've prophesied probably over between ministry trips and work and stuff, I don't know, probably seven, 10,000 people in the last, since I was 21, 22, so the last 12 years. And the most accurate and stunning prophetic stories I have, the majority of them take place outside of the walls of the ministry setting. Wow. It's not in the church buildings. Yeah, the ones in the church are, there's some cool stories, you know? Right. But percentage-wise, outside of work, Way higher, way higher. It, it's interesting because you know the, the the prophets traditionally, you know, they weren't they weren't in the temple, right? Right. I mean, I think you know that's where God wants to be is where the people are, right? And so much of the prophetic, it's like so much of Jesus' ministry, he was taking care of people, 
and these were just the masses. They weren't they weren't in the synagogue, right? Yeah, they weren't in they weren't in any type of synagogue or system. And in fact, the only rebuke the entire time in the Gospels that you ever see from Jesus is not directed at those who came to him. It's directed at those who kept people from coming to him. Wow. There's two rebukes from Jesus in all the Gospels in context. Disciples and religious leadership because they kept people from encountering the love of God without stipulations. Michael, it's so encouraging. Do you think everybody can do this? Everybody. I don't think everybody, everybody can encounter God at work. I think everybody can hear God. I think everybody can prophesy. I think it's clear to say you encounter God in the way that you encounter God. It does not have to look like what I did at Starbucks. How can you encounter God at work? You know, I used to think that there was this list of things you could do or to encounter God at work or like checklist or things you might do to help yourself encounter God at work. Um, but the number one thing I think that has sunk in with me over the last few years is getting an understanding of how he loves you. I know that sounds simple. I'll explain. He could sit across the table from you and see every thought you would never want another human being to know that ever crossed your mind in the entirety of your life. Know every single one of those. Write them down on paper and love you no differently and have nothing but mercy and love and compassion in his eyes. When that sinks in, you'll encounter God at work. I I don't care if you say I love you once a day, but it's the moment you realize that he has done everything that love requires for intimacy and that your only response is to be loved by him. You encounter God at work. I, I really, that when that sunk in for me, it, I quit working to encounter God at work and I just started to feel God at work. Wow. You, you know, I mean, for most of us, right, we're, we're busy, we're distracted. We have a, you know, most of the people out there, you know, we're just trying to survive, right? I mean, you're, you know, you're under pressure. You got, you got money pressure. Sure. Your boss yeah. doesn't like you. Yeah. You got your deadlines and, and it's, life is really stressful and you don't necessarily feel like a very good Christian, right? You're, right. you're, you're going to go out there with your faith a little bit, but you feel like, what am I doing out yeah. there with my faith? Yeah, you know? sure, so sure. Address that, those kind of... Yeah, I think it actually goes back to some stuff I read in your... Uh, I don't know if it was your first book, first book I read, Marketplace Christianity. It's a great book. I love that book. I've recommended it a ton of times. And this is not a product plug, by the way, on the podcast. But I don't mind product plugs. <laughs> in that case, lots of How good was it? Jesus. <laughs> no, um, the truth is, is you talked in your book about uh, that all things done unto the Lord are just as valid worship right. as being in a worship setting. And I'm busy too. I mean, I make... 40, 50, 60 phone calls a day. I send 50 to 100 emails a day. I'm busy too. And somewhere along the way, I started to feel God's pleasure in the midst of my work day by doing my work well. I began wow. to realize that excellence invites the president, the presence of God. And the difference mm. between excellence and perfection is excellence is that you are doing something in a way that makes yourself invaluable. Perfection is doing something in a way that makes you the best and everyone else around you knows it. Excellence is a matter of the heart. Perfection is a matter of getting your needs met. Hmm. And once I real, it began to sink in that when I did my work with excellence, when I did it in a way that made me invaluable, I began to feel God's pleasure at work. I began to realize that God is pleased with a strong work ethic. 
And that in and of itself began to be almost a divine exchange there. I've, you know, I've, I've told other people that are super busy and they're like, I don't even think about God for eight hours. Well, have you ever had a day where you've been so busy at work that you didn't text your wife for eight hours? Probably. Does she still love you when you get home? Yeah. She a little ticked? Maybe. (laughs) But no, no intimacy was affected because your work got in the way of you messaging your spouse. That's just life. And Jesus above all else, above anyone else, understands life. And so the moment somebody begins to beat themselves up for what they didn't do with God or for God at work, they've completely missed the point. You will not encounter God at work if that's your mentality. And if you do, it'll be on your terms and not his. That's awesome. Michael, here's, here's what I tell people and, you know, uh, is, is to just make a list because most people don't necessarily, not in a retail setting and they don't necessarily have, you know, retail customers, which is a different level. But can you, can you pray over your colleagues and your, and that's to me easier. And, and and I mean, almost not easier. It's like more, more doable. Right. Yeah. And, you know, making a list of your colleagues and putting on a sticky note and stacking it on your steering wheel or something while you drive to work on your mirror, while you're getting ready for your day and just thanking the Lord for them. Right. Saying, Lord, how much yeah. do you love Susie? How much do you love Mark? Yeah, absolutely. What are you doing in their life? And, and it's not even that we're trying to listen at the time. It's like so much. It's just connecting with God's heart for that people, for those people. How much do you love them? What yeah. are you doing in their life? Asking questions of his heart. How, how do you feel about them? Yeah. You know, are they going to, are they going to make it today? Are they going to, you know, is there, is their child going to, going to do okay? Yeah. You know, are they going to get through this, this financial crisis or how much do you love them and asking questions. And then, and then when you see that person after a month of doing that, you know, even the, even the thickest headed of us yeah. are going to start to have a sense of God's heart yeah. for, for that person in that even situation early. And, and then you can, you can either, you can say, Hey, you know, I have a thought for you. And you don't have to say Jesus said it, right? Or you can say it. Right. You know, you can, I I speak God's heart all the time to people and only sometimes do I use the name of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree a hundred percent. I, I get to the office for everyone else. It's my, it's what I do. And uh, I don't do it every day. Probably could. Um, But I do on a regular basis, walk around the office and pray before the morning. So yeah, in that sense, those are definite ways you can encounter God at work. Um, I remember, I think there was a guy who used to put sticky notes up. Um, I vaguely remember his story, but there was a guy who used to put sticky notes up. Um, you know, it was a reminder to him to give glory to God. I think, I think right. I've heard that guy Craig tell, Leeming. Yeah, I gotta, I, tell a I story. gotta get a story. I gotta get him on the podcast. But yeah, I think it's, um, it, it, the most minimal acts of love are still love, you know? And I, I think that. When we, anytime you give, the, the difference is, is you can give love to a person and might not necessarily feel it's reciprocated. But the beautiful part about an exchange with God and encountering God in the context of intimacy is it can happen anywhere and you will never show love to God and not feel it in return. Yeah. And so when you do those things, when you do ask about your coworkers, when you do pray, when you do even just tell the Lord, thank you for some, a deal that came in at work. I mean, you can thank God for sales. There's nothing unbiblical about that. Um, you will always feel God's love in return. And so yeah. that's awesome. You know, you know, it's we it's it goes back to this. We we think God is kind of disconnected from our work life. 
And it goes back to this, this you know, kind of Greek way of thinking versus a Hebraic way of thinking. He, in, in the Jewish mindset, if you got a deal, God blessed you. If you right. got a good degree, God blessed you. Yeah. If you started a business and it's well, working, God's blessing you. And it's like it's normal and for God to, to, to meet us and work. And I, I think with my kids, I mean, I love to talk about work with them. They're yeah. all they're all knocking it down and as a dad I love that. Why wouldn't right. my father love that? He he loves that. That's a, it's a means of encounter and it's a it creates a, a meaningful dialogue. Right? Absolutely. So much so to the point. That's how much Jesus loves work. That he waited to do ministry for 30 years and worked a day in day out job supporting the family <laughs> for 30 years. <laughs> he worked before he ever did right. ministry. And he probably encountered God the whole time. And he did it so that we would be able to encounter God in that context as well. Wow. Everything he did, wow. everything he said, everything, everywhere he walked, every action was to give us access to God's heart in those arenas of life. So, so step one, I mean, is just, is to start enjoying God at work and, and to encounter God at work. And that is, that is such a great tip. And then step two is to start to put your eyes on others. And yeah. all we have to do, I just think, I think everybody, you know, I, I had, I had one lady, I, one teacher, I, who, I, who said, gosh, Bob, it's a politically correct environment I work in. I can't pray over anybody. And I told the stories about you. And, and I said, look, here's the deal. Why don't you put your, put the list of your, your students out there and put them and start praying over them every day. On your day, on your way to work, do you think you would get something after a month of praying for them? Do you think you'd have an insight for them? You know, a little bit of a, a, a micron of of, yeah. of insight. And she said, "I think I probably would." <laughs> so she started doing it. Came back to me like a, a few weeks later and says, and started saying about how she started just sharing God's heart. And just, you know, Billy, you know, here's what I think. Here's what I think's going on at home, and here's what I think you're going to win. And it's just that kind of thing. And, and wow. even a colleague who was struggling with, and she was able to share like three or four times over the course of a few weeks to say, well, I, I think it's going to work for you. And I, I think here's how it's going to work. And, yeah. and the, after the third time, the lady said, how are you doing this? You oh, know? And, awesome. and then he said, well, by the way, I've been praying for you every day. And it's like, oh, wow, that makes yeah. sense. And so it's not weird. It's not, it's not, we, we it's not. It's like just easy supernatural, right? Yeah. It's not weird. It's not mystical. It's yeah. just, don't you think if you're going to, if you start thinking about somebody and praying for them, you're going to start to have a little bit of insight. And it's, and I think the key thing you hit on is it's relational. Like all the stuff you just said, it's relational. When you have a relationship with people in a setting like that, it takes a lot of the weird out of it because they already right. know you're kind of weird. And so it takes a lot of that out of it when it's relational and it comes from a place of like you care. You know, the hard part about the retail setting was it was going to be awkward. I'd never met these people. (laughs) But when you work in an office setting like most people do or a teaching setting where you see the same people on a day in, day out basis. um, It's natural. Yeah, it's very natural. People generally know where you stand. Even if you're not vocal about your faith, people aren't stupid. Um, And so they have an idea that you have. So when you do come to them and say... and Hey, is it okay if I pray for you or I prayed for you and I kind of felt this, you know, that's fine because it's relational at that point. If you're the new guy and it's day one and you start prophesying over the entire office, you better be accurate. But other than that, yeah, I think from a relational standpoint, you know, it just takes a lot of that out of it. And when you pray for someone, you cannot pray for people and not feel God's heart towards them. Wow. You can't do it. You know, last thing before we wrap this session, um, 
I think a lot of people feel like they're not very good Christians and they don't have a very good light. And so they don't want to, to, they just don't feel like they can go out there, you know, at work, you know, because their marriage is having trouble or their, you know, who knows, their kids aren't doing good or, you know, they've stumbled in pornography or who knows what the issue is, right? But there's something that just, they just don't feel, what did you say to that person? Matthew wasn't allowed in the synagogues. He was excommunicated because he was a tax collector. Fishermen were uneducated, had no reason to be in full-time ministry doing what they were doing. You can go down the list of Jesus' closest 12. And his best friend betrayed him. Wow. And Jesus looked at none of those as disqualifiers. He simply looked at the heart. And it's something I've been, I say preaching, I haven't been preaching places, but just been preaching nonstop for the last few years is, There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or make him love you less. He just loves you because he loves you. And so for people who feel like they're somehow handicapped or walking with a limp, the greatest people in scripture walk with a limp. Yeah. And so for someone that feels like that, just what would you tell them just to just to realize God's love and and what if they feel like you know person that, that, like their their weakness is on display yeah you know what, so, you know what I mean yeah. so I would number one thing and <clears throat> is to take six or eight weeks and whatever you do for the next six to eight weeks never mention your weakness to God <laughs> don't mention your sin don't mention your struggle don't mention your fault uh, even if you're stuck in pornography. Do not mention your pornography to God. Don't repent because your repenting isn't working. If you're stuck in it, your repenting isn't working, right? So quit repenting. Quit doing something that's not working. It only talk to God about God for the next six to eight weeks. And I would guarantee you that your issue will either be gone or on its way out the door in six to eight weeks. Wow. And what would you say to someone who says, gosh, I trying to mention God to my coworker and they said, you know, looked at me like, you know, your life's a mess. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really know the right response to that. If somebody looked at you like that, um, you know, their life's a mess too. That's okay. You know, I I think you, you love before you speak and that's all right. Everybody's got a mess. This is awesome. Michael, it's such a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, God bless you. We'll catch you next time. We're gonna we're gonna continue another another uh, another podcast with Michael. We'll see you next week.